Nicola. 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 <laughs> Ricola. That's what that makes me think of. Nikola Jokic. You know him? Uh, basketballer, right? <laughs> basketballer, yeah. Some say he's the best basketball player in the world. Wow. I like him. I'm a fan. Anyways, <laughs> welcome back to Poison for Profit. I'm Zach. And I'm Nick. And we've got a full-length episode for you today. We got a couple articles talking about Chevron and the Supreme Court. Two things um, most reasonable people really hate. Yeah, and it also has a little bit of a sprinkle of the EPA and the Clean Water Act in it as well. So it's hitting all of our favorite things, Zach. Oh, buddy. Well, I see, I I don't mind the Clean Water Act. Um, yeah, but the EPA, who are tasked with enforcing it, I've got some some differing opinions on them. <laughs> but should I don't know, should we just get into it? Yeah, sure. All Let's right. hear about Chevron. Yeah, so the article came out, or a study came out and an article on the study about how uh, Chevron's carbon offsets are, in a word, worthless. <laughs> now, probably not a, a huge surprise um, for you, at least, Nick, right? No, especially from previous conversations we've had. This is not surprising, but very... I'm excited to hear how worthless they are. Yeah, yeah. So so what offsets are, I guess we'll start with, is basically carbon credits, which are a, a form of carbon accounting, which like you invest in some other kind of technology that's supposed to reduce total uh, greenhouse gas emissions or take carbon out of the atmosphere. Uh, and then you, I mean, the company basically buys so many of those uh, credits and they count them towards their own emissions reductions. So it's really nothing the company is doing. It is part of their accounting i guess and, and and they get credit for those things for improving that technology i think the idea is but this is of course showing that the things that chevron's doing for their credits and offsets are not uh, really serving the purpose the stated purpose that chevron is claiming corporate accountability is an NGO, corporate watchdog NGO, and they found that 93% of Chevron's offsets between 2020 and 2022 uh, that went towards their voluntary carbon markets were too problematic to be classified as anything other than worthless or junk. That's 93%. That's like that's like insane numbers. Yeah, it's like <laughs> damn near all of them. Yeah, so so what that basically means is that they don't lead to any additional greenhouse gas reductions. Uh, they exaggerate their benefits, and um, these you know offsets themselves risk emitting more greenhouse gases. Uh, certain things like carbon capture and storage, investing in hydroelectricity is one, which is problematic for you know a couple different reasons. But uh, just speaking about Chevron, they netted a 
$35.5 billion in profits in 2022, and they have planned to invest $57.4 billion in oil expansion by the end of 2030. And this is all, meanwhile, they while they state their uh, aspiration to become net zero by 2050. And we I think we had the title of the of an episode a while ago. It was like, what was the title of that? It was, it like, was ambition, exactly ambition, not action or something right, like that. Yeah. But I mean, like, this is just another example. Right. And it's and now it's becoming more and more clear through real studies that None of this voluntary carbon marketization really works for reducing greenhouse uh, gas emissions or uh, in the atmosphere even. It also is extremely harmful because they're going. So that's why net zero is extremely harmful because not only are they assuming that they are offsetting that carbon that they're emitting, but because they're doing these offsets, they're not really going for reduction. They're just trying to make sure that they're meeting uh, whatever they are emitting with their carbon credits. So with these offsets and quotes that they're doing, it's just completely not even meeting the standard even at all. Right? It's not proactively. Yeah, it's all this is is them covering their tracks. I mean, that's all, all carbon markets really are anyways, is right. Is these large emitters trying to cover their tracks by buying, I would, carbon I would call it, I, yeah, I would call it like guilt buying, but I don't think they feel any guilt about it. It's all part of their PR, right? It's marketing. Yeah. It's yeah. their marketing scheme to show that they're net zero. Uh, but when 93% of your carbon offsets are junk or worthless, it, you're not even anywhere close to net zero. Yeah, yeah, and I think this whole net zero thing just kind of serves to to obfuscate these emitters and and mm-hmm. create a smokescreen where like yeah, headlines or they can put out whatever they want to about about being net zero in reality uh like if studies like this don't happen, then nobody knows how bad it really is, right? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Chevron, just because they got targeted in this study, definitely kind of got the, you know, the short end of the stick, I would say, because I would be very, um, you know, keen to believe that every net zero company that is claiming net zero has very similar worthless or junk carbon offsets, especially with a lot of the, you know, chair propaganda that we've been talking about. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and especially in oil and gas, right? Oh, yeah. That was one of the um, the responses that Chevron had is that like the study is biased against the industry. I mean, like it's not hard to uh, publish climate data that would appear biased against oil and gas, <laughs> right? It's all like... It's not like, oh, they're not they're not giving us a fair shake at it, even though, you know, we just put out plans to expand. They're they're in no way are they like planning to to actually reduce their own emissions. It's yeah. all in this these like 
fake payments and, and credits and things that they can buy and then get credit for without them actually doing anything on their end. Right. And it just sounds like when you say, oh, you're not giving us a fair shake to the oil and gas company. It's like, well, you're the one doing the majority of the emitting. Yeah. So- and that's like well documented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, anyone can figure that out. It's like, oh, oil and gas is where most of our emissions come from. So it's the oil and gas companies that they're the ones that we should be blaming, obviously. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and this, this is just they're talking about net zero in their upstream emissions. Let's be clear about that, which is basically everything from extraction to refining before it goes or and then once it gets onto the market, I guess. But but like this isn't anything to do with once it gets to the consumer, once it gets to its point of use. Like this is this this article says it's ten uh, percent of their carbon footprint, their total carbon footprint of the their operations plus their product that gets used off of their books or whatever you however you want to say it. 10% of that is what they're focused on here. Yeah, that's, of course, it's oil and gas. They're going to focus on the thing that they might be able to actually do something yeah, and, about in the smaller portion, of course. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the production isn't going to decline. They're not looking to, to reduce oil production. I mean, that's no. going to, that's still going up and it's going to go up for a long time. I think this past year was like the most uh oil and gas is ever emitted um from consumption anyways uh like i said 93 percent of offsets are junk and then almost half of them actually have a negative impact on social and environmental aspects uh, especially in the global south right which is climate change is is gonna disproportionately affect the global south anyways but like (laughs) the fact that half of like this climate action this fake climate action that chevron is pushing more than half of what they're doing actually directly negatively impacts the global south is just like adding insult to injury (laughs) yeah All right, it's halftime. We're talking NBA Finals. Ooh, baby. Neither of us really even watched the NBA. I've been watching a little bit just like since the conference finals. Yeah. But I still I like, yeah, it's hard for me to get into the NBA. I, ch- I just check the scores so that way I can talk to my coworkers who talk about the <laughs> NBA. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Try and pretend like I know. Anyways, we got the Nuggets versus the Heat. Game one on Thursday, which I don't know. Maybe this will be released by then. Uh, (laughs) But, oh, who am I going to? I'm going with the Nuggets. I'm going to say Nuggets in seven. Ooh, going all seven games? I'm going all seven. All right. Well, I was going to pick the Nuggets as well, but that's no fun. So I'm going to pick the Heat. In six. Oh. Wow. This is riveting stuff. Who are you picking for the uh, MVP? Uh, 
you know I know all these players so well, Zach. Yeah, yeah. Um, 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 I'm going to have to go with... Jimmy Butler, just for a hint, Jimmy Butler just won the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Yeah, we'll go with Jimmy Butler. Okay, there you go. Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Buckets. As I call him. (laughs) I'm going with the Joker. The Joker. Nikola Jokic. Should be be a good finals, though. Okay, we're done with this. (laughs) We're done with this. Cut it right there. (laughs) All right. Nick, let's hear from quick pause there's a there was a basketball player that looked like me and now he's on the heat but now he's gone bald and he doesn't look like me at all anymore who is it oh that guy looked like you he did but now he's bald and ugly i'll cut that out so nobody knows what you look like (laughs) yeah like college look him up at least that's what people told me in college you're more handsome nick i'll say that Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nick, tell us about the Supreme Court and the EPA and the Clean Water Act. All right. So what Zach's referring to is recently the Supreme Court court just ruled against the EPA in a dispute over regulating wetlands. So what the case was all about, there was uh, the Sackett family. They began a 14-year-long legal battle with the EPA after they began uh, building on their residential lot. Uh, Their lot included wetlands, which they began filling in with gravel and sand. Uh, So the EPA under the Clean Water Act previously had the power to regulate these wetlands. With this new ruling, they are losing this uh, jurisdiction. They are are no longer able to regulate these wetlands. Uh, So it's a pretty uh, important issue that's going on right now. Uh, I know Biden tweeted out about it, that he was disappointed in the decision. Um, and then, but so why does this matter? Uh, it's really important that we protect, uh, all of our wetlands because they're habitat for thousands of aquatic species and terrestrial, uh, animals as well. And then they offer a valuable flood protection. Um, so like, you know, the tides coming in, if you're on the ocean, um, And then they also do a lot for us in water filtration, so water quality improvement. And then they also hold on to our shoreline, so preventing erosion, as as well as a slew of other um, very important benefits of having wetlands around. So this decision is really, really going to hurt the Clean Water Act, uh, even though it was previous. it has been being enforced by the EPA, which Zach and I aren't <laughs> super. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, <laughs> this isn't good, right? Yeah. Like, we've got our our opinions on the effectiveness of the EPA, but, like, to just, for them not to even be able to regulate it is kind mm-hmm. of uh, 
a step in the wrong direction. Right. Definitely. So is this like, so is this like one of those things where it's covered by the legislature now and they're going to say if it's not written into like a standalone law or something? Because I feel um, like I can't remember what it was before, but that like, I think it was air, maybe the Clean Air Act before. I believe that was previously before this one that had just gone through very similar scrutiny. Um, but basically what this ruling was is previously the Clean Water Act gave the EPA the authority to regulate um you know, discharging of pollutants into what the law defines as the waters of the United States. So this was previously defined as to include the wetlands that are adjacent to traditional navigable waters. Um, But with this new decision, they've changed that from to include now it's only wetlands with continuous surface connection to the waters of the United States. So it has to be connected on the surface, not through groundwater aquifers, things like that. So I think that, um, that's like a crazy change because as we all know, groundwater is such an important, uh, part of the whole system and recharging aquifers is how we get a lot of our fresh water for drinking. So, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I believe it's now going to be up to the States to either put in something that's more strict than the clean water act on their own, Mm. uh, to actually keep these wetlands protected. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, luckily, from my experience, at least it seems states are a little bit more stringent than the, the federal EPA anyways. And even where I am now, which is like a, a pretty conservative place, right? The, the state uh, environmental agency is, is much more, I have a lot more requirements from them than I do with the federal EPA. So like this is, it's definitely like not good, right? That that they're kind of taking away what what seems like a one of the checks in this checks and balances system. But I mean, it's 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 still up to you know states and and stuff to do more than what is required by federal government, anyways. Yeah, and just to kind of reiterate your point, where I am in Massachusetts, they have their own Wetlands Protection Act. So that you already have to do a lot of this similar stuff with the state. So uh, I I would hope that other states kind of... I know other states do have this or similar laws as well, but I would hope that other states kind of... Uh, tighten up their laws as well because these are very important um habitat i mean or this is a very important type of land uh, just because of all of the like unforeseen uh, benefits that people just take for granted these are are real real benefits that people have um or people get and communities get from from wetlands like they're 
ecosystem services for real. And it's like, it's not just within that ecosystem. Yeah. It's such an important part of our watersheds. They've even been compared to like the rainforests and coral reefs for their importance. Uh, this is that productive of an ecosystem. So I feel that this decision to allow, I guess now these sackets are going to be able to fill this wetland in and build a house on top of it which is then, I mean, who knows? Their neighbors' houses are now going to get flooded. <laughs> uh, this, these all, all of this development in wetlands is just going to have crazy, crazy disastrous effects. Uh, I just feel that hopefully some states will come to their senses and put in place some laws and regulations before something really terrible happens. Thank you for that, Nick. That's all we have tonight. The articles will be linked in the show notes along with our social medias. Follow us there. Uh, Reach out to us. Send us stuff, whatever you want us to cover. Send us your takes. We'll read them on the air and we will credit you for it. Thank you for listening. Anything else, Nick? Thank you all for listening as always. Talk to you next time.